Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am Seth. The phone number is 602-508-0960-602-508960. As we head into our second hour, um, I was on the Dennis Prager Show this morning. It was a delight and privilege and honor to be so. I just think he's the best broadcaster in the business and one of the great intellects of our time. So it was a huge privilege uh, he had me on um, in his uh, first hour so in that, it doesn't air in Phoenix. Um, it, it airs nationally, but just not in Phoenix the first hour. Uh, we thought we might play it for you a little bit later uh, in this hour, maybe at uh, 4.30, David. What do you say? Yeah, it's, uh, he was interviewing me on the uh, drug crisis in America and uh, our project. He, he's so good. Gosh, he's so good. And just always fun to talk to as well. I, I could tell you stories after stories about Dennis, but um, one of the marks of great men— is and you know there's a lot of things a lot of attributes characteristics that make for a great man it can be intellect it can be charity it can be kindness it can be uh any number of things <clears throat> he's all of those and he's one other which is sometimes people will ask me about some of their favorite people that maybe I've been privileged to know or something uh, They've asked me, what's, what's Dennis like? He's exactly like what you see. He, is, he has the gift of being himself. He is the same person when he's not behind a microphone as he is when he's in front of a microphone. And um, he's always, uh, always been that way so long as I've known him, which has been more than two decades now, at least, at least, two, at, well, at least 25 years. I'd have to do the thinking. Uh, Gavin Newsom uh, is, is on my mind a lot lately, um, because I think if the Democrats are smart, they run him for president. Uh, and I think he would be tough to tough to tough to beat. I don't think he's unbeatable, but I think he'd be tough to beat for a myriad of reasons, any of which we can talk about. But he's also much in the news lately, and he's going to be more and more in the news lately. Uh, his nomination, his uh, his uh, his filling the seat of uh, Dianne Feinstein with um well, someone who doesn't actually live in California, uh, Lafonza Butler, um, is quite something. And he can get away with it because when you check certain boxes, you give yourself a uh, Teflon prophylactic protection against any charge of other norm breaking. By the way, there's another norm being broken for all of the norms we're supposed to break. And I gave a list, by the way, last week of the norms the Democrats have broken. Here's another one. Here's another one. <laughs> Nominating someone. He's, he promised he would nominate an African-American woman. Are, are there none that live in the state of California? One is actually running for the Senate in California, and he didn't nominate her. Democrat. A very liberal Democrat. Such a liberal Democrat, she was the head of the Progressive Caucus. She was the head of... Uh, she, she, she was a member of the Black Panther movement at one point, and he didn't nominate her. He had to go not just—and not how to state, not—California has a lot of adjacent states. He didn't even go to an adjacent state. He went all the way to Maryland because there is nothing so progressive as the person he did find. If you think that being a former head of the Progressive Caucus Committee in a Black Panther isn't— is it, it, you can't get more progressive than that. He found someone more progressive than that. Scott Johnson writes, California Governor Governor Gavin Newsom promised to appoint a black woman to replace the late Dianne Feinstein in the Senate. So you know 
This is a man who has his priorities in order. Politico reveals that Newsom will appoint LaFonza Butler to Phil Feinstein's seat. Butler apparently does not reside in California. Politico reports that she is registered to vote in Maryland. Not even registered to vote in California. However, Butler owns a home in California. When it comes to her declaration of residence, she'd rather switch than fight. She will change her voter registration to California. On this point, the Wall Street Journal reports Butler didn't respond to a request for comment. In a state of some 40 million residents, Newsom could not find one who fit the bill quite like LaFonza Butler. Butler is the president of the pro-abortion fundraising group Emily's List. That's how you know her heart is in the right place. She is a devout, devout believer in abortion orthodoxy. She is on the same wavelength as Kamala Harris. Indeed, they are bosom buddies. That's true. They have worked together. Politico adds that, quote, Butler is the first openly LGBTQ person to represent California in the Senate, close quote. So Newsom and Butler check yet another box. Which letter applies? By the way, Politico doesn't say it, but I believe it's the L. She is married to one Naneki Lee. This is Scott Johnson's writing. Politico also doesn't say whether Butler will stand down from the pending 2024 election for the seat she is to occupy. The Democratic candidates running for the seat constitute a parade of horribles. Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee is the person I was referencing earlier, the African-American Democrat. I'm not familiar with Fonzie, as I would guess her friends call her, but I sense that she would fit right in. If she went for it, she would not be jumping the shark. Considering the number of boxes he has checked in making her appointment, however, I think Newsom may have. I don't think he's jumped the shark. I think he is showing us what the waters we all swim in are now. This is the Democratic Party. Every time Gavin Newsom makes some slight feint to the conservative or to the center, let us say, some slight feint to the center, it's about one half a step up and five steps down every single time, every single time. This man is as progressive as they get. He just does it with a happy face, or at least he does it with a much less angry, a much more uh, intellectual, a much more comfortable, a much more easygoing demeanor. This is how he could do so well when he was interviewed by Sean Hannity, in which he did very well. And this is why it's going to be probably one of the most watched television events of the year, even despite the fact that um, we are having three presidential debates by the time it will have taken place when he debates Ron DeSantis mano on mano, when he debates Ron DeSantis one on one. I believe that will blow the records for the other Republican nomination debates because I think every Democrat is going to be looking at that as an audition for him to run for president in 2024, as rightly they should, as rightly they should. You cannot have Joe Biden anymore. You just can't have it. The man can't do a one-on-one meeting with a head of state. He can't meet with members of his cabinet without looking at his note card and reading exactly what's on his note card. He simply is incapable of doing it. He's incapable of completing two sentences in a row without fading off into some kind of gibberish that sounds like a scene out of Blazing Saddles and the Johnson family, with the gibberish, with the Plains gibberish. A COVID tyrant for president, issues and insights rights. 
When recently asked if he was going to run for president next year, California Governor Gavin Newsom wouldn't rule it out. This is no big news since we've been hearing for some time that he will rescue the faltering Biden-Harris regime. But it is distressing. In addition to driving people from his state with policies that become more deranged with every passing year, Newsom has a malevolent pandemic. Excuse me. Newsom was a malevolent pandemic warrior who should have been punished for his offenses. Voters deserve to know just how vicious he was and that he remains unrepentant. It would be hard to argue that any other state mistreated its citizens more than California. Given the opportunity of the novel coronavirus outbreak, Newsom smoothly tapped into his just-below-the-surface authoritarianism, the same urge to dictate that afflicts nearly every Democrat in the nation. When he issued his stay-at-home command in March 2020, which the Los Angeles Times called unprecedented in modern California history, it was the first stomp of the heavy boot that Newsom would keep on Californians until February of just this year. Only then did he surrender his self-granted emergency powers, five months after he vetoed a bill that would have limited the authority governors can wield during a declared crisis. I want to run by memory lane with and for you when we come back what he did to and in California. It is this behavior that I think gives Robert Kennedy a semblance, a semblance of getting double digits if he runs independent because I think he will appeal to the liberals who will be reminded of this by him. All right, we'll take a quick commercial break, and we'll come right back. 602-508-0960 is the number if you'd like to weigh in. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems, enforcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings, or IRA, to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They, use, they have been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you do know and trust the veterans at Midas Gold Group already as they've been fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Check them out at 480-360-3000. Call the Midas Gold Group there, 480-360-3000. Or visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. We were talking about uh, a trip down memory lane of uh, Gavin Newsom's authoritarianism during COVID that only ended this previous February, this February of this year. According to Issues and Insights, during his reign of petty tyranny, tyranny, Newsom brawled with Orange County where residents had been enjoying their beaches in the Southern California spring weather, even though police said beachgoers were mostly keeping social distance practices, routinely condescended toward Californians who didn't behave as he demanded, was fittingly called an out-of-touch elite, a narcissist, big daddy, thug boy, and the king of Sacramento, had more, held more political prisoners during the pandemic than any other governor, signed the bill that penalizes doctors who spread misinformation or disinformation related to COVID. It was such poor legislation that it was repealed after being de- derailed in the courts. Considered himself a savior, he claimed his 2021 recall election, quote, was a matter of life and death, close quote, because the favorite to replace him 
had he been recalled, was radio talk show host Larry Elder, who promised that he was, if he was elected governor, he would repeal right away any face mask mandates and vaccine mandates, was complicit in California students' historic learning loss. His four children were protected, however, because they were sent to a private school that returned to in-person instruction while many public schools remained closed. Issued 39 executive orders, unilaterally changing 200 laws spanning most sections of the California Code, all before the end of May 2020. Do you know how early that was? Issued 39 executive orders, unilaterally changing 200 laws spanning most sections of the California Code, all before the end of May 2020. Went maskless, as did his rich friends, at a party in a three-Michelin-star Napa Valley restaurant while expecting everyone else to comply with mask rules. Hectored and disparaged anyone who didn't agree with his oppressive pandemic response, which turned out to be fatally wrong. When confronted a few weeks ago about the harshness of his COVID restrictions while on Meet the Press, Newsom said that he had known then, that had he known then what he knows now, quote, I think we would have done everything differently. I think we would have done everything differently. Direct quote. This has been characterized as an admission of guilt, but it sounds more like someone who's sorry he was caught stealing, not a man repentant of his transgression and would do the same thing again if he had the chance. Fox's Greg Gutfeld has called Newsom the slickest, sneakiest man on earth, and the governor's admission only bolsters Gutfeld's point. Rather than be rewarded with the presidency, Newsom, like all the other COVID-itarians in the country, should be held to account for the damage he unleashed, and it should be so severe that no government official will ever again consider closing society, shutting down the economy, or compelling people to wear masks. Let me say something about his comment on Meet the Press. I think we would have done everything differently had I known then what I know now. This is the problem with censoring what they called misinformation and disinformation. This was the heart and soul of the self-repeating, self-replicating problem. There were people who knew then what he says he knows now. There were people who knew it. We wrote it up here. We spoke about it here. Heather MacDonald wrote it up and spoke about it everywhere she could. Dennis Prager did. We were the first few, Bill Bennett and I and Hugh Hallman and Lewis Hallman and Heather MacDonald and Dennis Prager in the communications business. I think we were the first four or five. Bill, correct me if I'm... We were even condemned by fellow conservatives, National Review, for challenging the orthodoxy by pointing to the data. We were the first. And then people started slowly joining in, and doctors felt a little bit more willing to flex their muscles. Zudi Jasser was great on this. He joined us every Friday. Of course, Jay Bhattacharya and that group that formed the Great Barrington Declaration, all of whom were censored under the guise, under the label of misinformation and disinformation. All of whom were, including us on this show. We were. We were thrown off YouTube. We had the hell... We had the, one of the most interesting social science experiments ever on that one. Young David, you don't know this. This is one, I don't think you've heard this story. This is one of the most interesting social science experiments ever done. So while we were critical of the shutdown lockdown regime and the mandate regime, and we were doing these monologues and posting them on YouTube, YouTube took them all down. And it took quite an effort for our general manager to get in touch with someone at YouTube to find out why. 
because everything was backed up and cited. We were very careful in what we cited. We pointed to the data. And the YouTube response, David, was unless the information comes from the federal government when it comes to COVID, YouTube won't broadcast it. It has to come from the federal government. Interesting enough, we used to think free speech was to challenge the government, not to give the government a a megaphone, but fair enough. So I engaged in one of the most interesting social science experiments ever. Do you know it? There was a deputy secretary of Health and Human Services. Her name was Eileen McCants-Gantz. She has an MD in psychiatry and a PhD in epidemiology. Double doctorate. And she was confirmed by the U.S. Senate for her position as deputy secretary of HHS. She was deputy secretary of HHS for mental health. So I merely played a speech of hers verbatim without comment on the importance of opening up the schools because of the mental health crisis it would unleash if we kept them closed. I didn't editorialize. I didn't say anything other than here is Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services Eileen McCants-Gantz, MD, PhD, confirmed by the Senate, and then aired it, and they took it down. You couldn't get any more federal government expertise on it than that. It's that it went against the narrative. And to the degree people were trying to get information, I don't think Gavin Newsom falls. I think he heard us well, not me, but our team. I think he heard us loud and well. But for those that are now saying, if we only knew then what we know now, shame on them. And shame on the censors who put all of the stuff we did know then, what you know now, under the censorship hammer of misinformation and disinformation. Not everyone was wrong. It wasn't one of these, we were all wrong. No, we all were not. But neither were we all allowed to speak our minds. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. As mentioned, I was on the Dennis Prager Show this morning. Delighted, privileged, totally honored. He had me on to talk about the drug crisis in America and our project. It was in the first hour, which broadcast nationally but not here locally. So the team here thought uh, we should share it with you here for the local audience. Take it away. Man, I admire greatly and have great affection for Seth Leibson. He's a fellow at the Claremont Institute. And he hosts an extremely popular show in Phoenix, 960, yes. Seth, I really blew it, didn't I? You know, Seth, poor Seth is sitting there going, I can't believe Prager is ruining the introduction. (laughs) Dennis, you honor our airwaves and you honor me by having me. You're one of the three greatest teachers I've ever had. It's a delight to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a very beautiful thing uh, for you to say. So I'm sorry, but I want to know who the other two are. Uh, William Bennett, who you know well. Yeah. Oh, you worked with him for a while. That's right. And then the greatest teacher I've ever had, maybe the greatest teacher America's ever had over in Claremont, passed away a few years ago, Harry Jaffa, uh, who I was privileged to study under and uh, who helped kind of intellectually found the Claremont Institute you referred to. Well, I am in very elite company, uh, so it, it, that's very kind of you. But it, it goes chronologically then, Jaffa, uh, Bennett, Prager, right? Correct. Chronolo- Correct. Chronologically. Every stage yes. of my life I have learned what I needed to learn. 
from the people I need right. to learn Well, from. of course, and right now, yeah, it's a credit to you, and I, I'm not I'm not here to blow smoke, uh, but you know, the three of us and many other wonderful teachers uh, have been around, and people have learned nothing. Uh, you, the recipient gets half the credit. I, I just need you, you should I. You should know that, and you need to know that, that you had, you desired to get deeper, and you have. I mean, you're, you're, you're a serious thinker. That's, All right, anyway. That's kind of you. No, but, no, well, it's we don't not... have teachers like you anymore, and that's, uh-huh. that's the regret. You yeah. have the willingness to mentor people, and it's tremendous, Dennis. You're a great teacher. All right. Well, thank you very much. Seth yeah. Leibson has written... A piece for the uh, was the Washington Times. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So it's it's about the drug crisis and the amount of death that it is dealing. So why don't you summarize just some of those frightening statistics that you open your article with? Sure. And it's a tale of two cities here, Dennis. Uh, one of tremend- tremendous problems, and I think tremendous possibility for anyone who's been involved in the drug issue they know that 1979 was the worst year of regular drug use in this country 14.1 percent of americans were regularly using illegal and dangerous drugs and the country rolled up its sleeves and went to work to do something about it uh every politician spoke about the issue athletes got in professional athletics got into the issue hollywood got into the issue and um, you remember those ads, the frying egg, this is your brain on drugs, tremendously impactful. And people say you can't do something about this. We actually did do something about this. And within 13 years, by 1992, we reduced regular drug use in this country by over 60%. And then we let up. And in that year, 1992, we were losing about 5,000 Americans a year to drug deaths, drug poisonings. They're not overdoses, they're poisonings. And today, we're losing 110,000 Americans a year. The country was smaller then. It was 245 million people. We're about 335 million now. So think about this to give you a sense of the enormity, Dennis. While the country grew by a third in population, drug poisoning deaths grew by 2,000%. I don't think people realize how serious this problem is. It's 300 people a day. It's the equivalent of two commercial airliners crashing over our skies every single day. And no, no, no let up for Christmas and New Year's. No let up for Christmas or New Year's. A month ago, we commemorated 9-11. It's a 9-11 every 10 days. You've been to Washington, D.C. in the Vietnam Memorial. 58,000 names on that wall. It took 16 sad years to amass those names. We could build two of those walls a year. Now, this country is nowhere near on the right path of solving it. So a group of folks here and I decided to recreate what works, the stopstartshere.org. And we're going to do, this is your brain, we are doing, this is your brain on drug ads with modern messaging and in social media to start this Aggressive prevention messaging again. Prevention works every time it's tried. All right, good. All right, so you'll you'll delineate the details. What is the name of the website? The Stop Starts Here. The Stop Starts Here dot org. Seth Leibson. Yes, sir. Folks, the data, and these are young people overwhelmingly. I, I know some, believe it or not. 
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I am Seth, as I was uh, doing in the last segment, Dennis Prager. I was privileged to be on Dennis Prager's show this morning. It was in his first hour, so it didn't air here locally, and a bunch of you had asked that I uh, air it locally for you all here. So uh, this is the second half of uh, our interview, my interview with Dennis Prager on his show this morning. Uh, We're talking about the drug crisis and uh, our efforts to uh, reverse it. I'm back with Seth Liebson who is uh, one of the stars of talk radio. He has a magnificent show. He is, you have to be entertaining because otherwise you don't have an audience. But of course, his primary appeal is his depth and his moral conviction. So he, he, uh, did you do this alone? Are you doing this initiative with others? Thanks for asking, Dennis. Uh, About four or five of us got together here in town uh, about a year ago when we started really putting the meat on the bones of these statistics. We just came out of COVID, and it dawned on us, this country, when it wants to put out a public health message, sure as hell knows how to do it, pardon my French. And we turned this country inside out and upside down with regard to COVID. And we were looking at the drugs and the drug issues and the drug deaths. And if you think about it, um, over the course of three and a half years of COVID, about 75,000 people under the age of 50 died, mostly with comorbidities. Well, last year alone, 80,000 people in one year under the age of 50 died from drug poisonings. 75% more children die from drug poisonings than did throughout COVID. We're misprioritized, so we decided to roll up our sleeves and put out a serious, unapologetic set of prevention messages that help this country understand what a true public health crisis is. Because most public health agencies in our government right now are promoting malfeasant messaging, like safe use. Like wait, 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 wait. I want, I want that. I read it in your article, and I hear it now. I mean, I don't trust any governmental institution i i'm i can i can cry saying this to you because this is new in my yeah. my long life me too but i don't trust any of them but this is it strikes me as a new low i i want you to back that up the primary message of the american government with this annual slaughter of young people is use drugs safely Correct. There are billboards and messages in San Francisco from the San Francisco Department of Public Health that say if you're going to use, start slowly and use with a friend. And it's a picture of young people having a good time. That same message is throughout New York City. You will find this particularly interesting. The New York City Department of Public Health has a website on marijuana, and it talks about how to use marijuana safely. One of the bullet points is... Don't use it with tobacco. There is no safe use of tobacco. They never say there's no safe use of marijuana. It's tobacco that's their enemy. Dennis, the CDC itself, one last point, the CDC itself has a website that urges people to use fentanyl drugs, drug strips, uh, test strips, fentanyl test strips. This is, a, this is a mechanism, as they say on their website, to make sure that when you use cocaine, or other drugs, it's not laced with fentanyl. This is public 
policy malfeasance and the encouragement mm-hmm. of addiction and, and more death. And when We're on you, the wrong when, track. When do you apply that test from the grave? Yeah, that's that's what we're doing with the body count that's increasing. 110,000 Americans, as I said, died last year. We're on track to increase that this year. And the problem is, or at least maybe the, the beauty of this is, is it doesn't have to be this way because we've solved this problem before. Prevention messaging does work. It's worked with forest fires. It's worked with cigarette smoking, God knows. It's worked with seatbelt use. It's worked with every. It's worked every time it's tried, and so our group, four or five others who joined me, decided to put this organization together, and do unapologetic, serious, unapologetic, serious prevention messaging throughout social media, and that's what we've been doing. Have you already begun some of these messages? Yeah, we started about uh, three weeks ago, Dennis, and the numbers are tremendous. We're getting hundreds of thousands of views throughout Instagram. Give an example of one of the messages. We have several. One of them is the airplanes crashing, so people understand the enormity of the problem. But we've hired actors and a great video team to show children and young adults how this can happen and how this can happen to you. You may never know what's in that what you think is an innocent joint you may take at a party, or you may never know what's in that pill you think is Xanax or something else that's handed to you at a party. So we have dramatizations in 15-second spots, 30-second spots, minute-long spots that we're trying to suffuse throughout social media. So why do you want people to go to your website? Well, we would love people to go to our website to see them and to spread those messages through their accounts, if they can help us financially, if every one of your listeners gave us 10 bucks, we could for a year suffuse social media with serious prevention messaging. The kind of thing the government should be doing, but isn't. Uh, uh, don't start me on the, the priorities issue. Uh, from the beginning of my, of my career, I have said with all the dangers of cigarette smoking, we're going up to the wrong, uh, we're fighting the wrong devil. Uh, and Isn't I, it a weird, you know. No, no, go on. Go ahead. You go. I was just going to say, you know, it's an interesting thing throughout COVID, which was about protecting our lungs. And as COVID, as we noticed, isn't taking as many young lives as drug abuse is. Where's the concern for our brains? You're right about cigarettes. And we reduced smoking in this country with a serious public health prevention campaign to protect our lungs. What we're here saying is, don't you think our brains deserve as much protection as lungs and our lives as well? Well, God bless you. All right, give uh, give everybody uh, the website again. TheStopStartsHere.org. Any help, very much appreciated. Right. As much as you are appreciated, Dennis. Thank you. It's mutual. The this the website. the stop starts here anyway that is also up at dennisprager.com folks the link thank you bless you bless you, you. Uh, this is a very important endeavor all right everybody we'll return in a moment you're listening to thanks the dennis for, prager show that was thanks for airing days. that david thanks Before thanks that. again to dennis prager uh, and alan estrin for putting that together David, you're probably too young to remember the AIDS crisis and how much we turned ourselves inside out and upside down over that. So much so. Bill, you, you're you old enough to remember. I remember college, those that went away to college went a week early 
to get public health instruction and education on how to uh, avoid AIDS. I mean, this country really went... The worst year for deaths in this country for AIDS was 1995. We lost 45,000 Americans to AIDS that year, those poor souls. 45,000. It's 0.01% of the population. We're losing 0.03% of the population to drugs, 200% more to drugs than AIDS, and we're doing nothing close to that. Portions of this show brought to you by Y-Refi. Y-Refi, they're headquartered here locally. They invite you to stop by. Scottsdale Road in the 101 is uh, where their offices are at, and you won't be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that to me. Y-Refi has a great investment, and it's in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return. It's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, should you be worried about possible recession or stock market volatility. It's a uh, portfolio where you can turn your monthly – it's an investment where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There's no penalty if you need your money back at any time. Think of that freedom. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they are a due diligence approved firm. As they say, high fixed rate of return. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. It's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. Young David was just uh, reminding me of some news that came out uh, last week that uh, we are uh, set, as I mentioned in the uh, interview with Dennis, to beat last year's 110,000 deaths due to drug poisonings. Uh, The CDC has these predictions and uh, they're increasing it uh, to 111,355 on the track and the rate we're going right now. They're predicting 111,300. It's getting worse and worse every year as the government uh, doubles down and various state and local governments double down on exactly the wrong messaging used safely. There is no safe use of this stuff. What did C.S. Lewis say in uh, the screw tape letters? The use of fashions in thought is to distract the attention of men from their real dangers. We direct the fashionable outcry of each generation against those vices of which it is least in danger and fix approval on the virtue nearest to the vice which we are trying to make common. The game is to have people running around with fire extinguishers whenever there is a flood and all crowding to the side of the boat which is already nearly gunnel under. Yep, that's exactly right. Running about with fire extinguishers when there's a flood. In other words, the tool that you don't need while ignoring the flood and having people run to the side of the boat that's sinking fastest. That's what we're doing with the messaging that's out there from your health, public health departments, and your federal CDC. It's insane and the death toll will rise. Help us turn it around. As I said, go to thestopstartshere.org. Help us out. If everyone in this audience could give 10 or more bucks, we'll get to a lot of eyeballs. And I'm convinced, like with every other serious prevention campaign, we'll save a lot of lives. We'll be right back. <laughs> 